and welcome to the Lean to Artcast Creative Work Chat. This is where we explore a creative problem, things that might come up as being visual storytellers, teaching artists, and learners. My name is Jersey Drozd. I'm a cartoonist and teaching artist. And the other host is named. Hi, I'm Rob Stenzinger. I'm a UX designer, an interactive maker, and a teaching artist. Good to see you again, Rob. And uh, uh, It's good to see you, Jersey. And I am looking forward to talking about being overwhelmed. Uh, <laughs> you are? Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's part of the rhythm of being involved in the creative arts, and whether it is a side hustle or your main gig, whether it's something where you're taking it on and learning about it. There's always going to come up, uh, there's always going to be a point at which the work feels bigger than you, right? So... Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's a good way to phrase it. Um, and, in, and in considering like, does the work ever not feel bigger than me? And, uh, I just think I just feel different at times if, if when I'm engaging with it where, you know, if noticing the big, uh, and you know, like, yeah, I can get, yeah, I, I think that's a, probably a big part of getting overwhelmed sometimes. Mm. Um, you know, because I mean, most of the things we make aren't aren't a snap of the fingers or um, uh, just a a quick response to a thing, mm-hmm. and yeah, so it's yeah, there's a bigness, always a bigness. <laughs> yeah, there's a, anything that has any kind of level of complexity to it is going to have like a, a bigness to it, right? So, uh, mm-hmm. where did this come up for me? Well, you know what, I am one day away from finishing up a rather intense commitment. And all the while, while I was doing that commitment, I was keeping up with a lot of other commitments. So there have been, and, and I've done this enough times that I did do some positive self-talk at the top of the year. Like I was looking at, and we talked about this in some past Lean Arts. I was doing my, you know, my, my time tracker, my weekly planner, and also like my sort of quarterly planning for the year. And I realized that, oh, first quarter of 2021, I'm working three jobs that's going to be hard. And so I did have a conversation with myself saying like, you can expect <laughs> these changes to occur in your life, Mr. Drozd. <laughs> you, you, you're going to have things fall off the list. You're going to have really, really good intentions and you're going to prepare for that. And you're going to, pre- you're going to like try to prepare yourself for success, but things are going to fall off the plate. You are also going to mm. get extremely tired. There's going to be days where you are changing gears a lot and you have to meet those moments where you're at. And people are going to get to see the unrefined Jersey Drozd. Like the, the Jersey Drozd who didn't have time to breathe before meeting you today. You know? So I, I did prepare. This wasn't by any means a surprise that I was experiencing a feeling of being overwhelmed. But at the same time... It's like because I was feeling it, it was very top of mind. I thought, okay, let's bring it to the show because I know I'll have like an energy and enthusiasm behind it. I also know that you have been really, you know, breaking boards pretty fiercely for the past, I want to say, 16 months almost. Is that right? (laughs) That feels like it. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we're all uh, working on our things that we we, we care about and whatnot, but... uh, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can identify with this. So like in our Trello for our project or texting back and forth, if, if you happen to mention like, you know, wow, this is a biz, it's, it's a lot going on, uh, this or that. I, I certainly, I typically will reply, reply with like something about like 
I feel that. And, you know, I think one of the things I said recently was I, I feel like I'm constantly in a Phoenix fire of near defeat yet continuing anyway. (laughs) And you know, that, that also speaks to our biases that we use a lot of, and we try to be careful about, I think both of us try to be very aware of how often we go to like combat metaphors or intense, fierce metaphors for what we go through. Cause like, we're also like very aware of like a lot of language that I think carelessly gets thrown around. Like you're crushing it today. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I'm yeah. not stepping on necks and all that kind of gross stuff. I, um, you know, if I'm going toward big feelings, I try to go, go toward big fantasy and, uh, yeah. uh, magic and stuff like that. Not, <laughs> not necessarily, you know, um, yeah, because, I, I don't find those framings necessarily that helpful anymore. Right. Um, I, I probably did at different stages. Oh, I totally uh, did. I was, I was an absolute, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a product of my time in that. Yes. I grew up with movies like commando where the last Mm. 25 minutes of the film is Arnold Schwarzenegger literally murdering 93 people. And when I was a teenager, I thought that was amazing. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) And, and, And I did, I did have like the presence of mind to say like, it's fantasy. I don't think that would be amazing if it really happened. I'd be very sad if it really happened, but in a fantasy, it's fine. Right. But even now, now I'm like, not even as a fantasy, am I crazy? But anyway, getting aside, but I wonder if we could talk about like the, I think part of the reason that I find myself getting overwhelmed, uh, occasionally and over and over again is because it feels really good to do a lot of things sometimes, right? (laughs) It feels it feels empowering and almost nourishing to take on a lot of things and meet it well. Wow, I did this, this, and this today. I looked at my time tracker. Like, oh my gosh, in eight hours, I got X amount of stuff done, right? Um, mm. I feel productive, quote unquote. And I'm putting quotes around, not because I'm slagging the term productive as much as I think it's a problematic term sometimes. It can lead us astray. Um, so... Uh, yeah. That's like a big, it's a big, um, it's a word to be thoughtful about. And there's a lot of throwing it around for its own sake. Like it is good for its own sake. And it's, it's not, uh, that productive productivity comes from somewhere. It's expending, it's, it's, uh, it's allocating and putting effort and combining resources of your time, uh, effort, skill, uh, other available materials and whatnot. And, and it spends stuff in the world and it's worth being thoughtful about that. Mm. So does that, does that ring true to you too, though? I mean, this idea of like when you first engage with a lot of work, it feels like, especially when you start, you know, actually hitting the ball properly, Mm -hmm. it's, it's easy to get hooked on that. Right. Well, okay. If, um, so skill building and learning, um, like, why would we, why would we care about that? And, you know, do you, if you look at it from, um, uh, um, sort of an evolutionary perspective or what does that put you in as a position and, you know, among your fellow humans in an anthropological perspective, are you, um, you're, you're showing the yourself in the world that you have these capabilities and that may feel like good news because of, you know, being respected or rewarded and, um, uh, you know, it's fitting in with your own story of, of, well, belonging and, uh, like what, 
want to see come about. I mean, there's a lot that can reinforce the idea of, well, I did a lot and therefore, yay, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't want to yuck on that either because I think it's a fair, it's, I think it's a, uh, like a match fitness, um, well met or not well met situation, right? Mm -hmm. Because where are you at at a certain time if you're ready to, uh, I let's say what would be the friendly commando? <laughs> um, if you're ready to be a cartoonist who cranks out like, let's say 10 pages a day. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And you get to the end of that, you know, who got hurt, what feels good or bad, what up or down, what status changed. And, you know, maybe, uh, uh, you know, you, you feel that sense of, um, what, what was it in, uh, Jane McGonigal's book, um, reality is broken, the, the sense of Fiero, right? Mm. The kind of a fiery accomplishment, fiery joy, right? And, uh, that feels awesome. And then also the, you could, I could see craving that. In fact, I have where it's like, I would like, I would like to, instead of feeling bad about the pile of things I have ahead of me, I would like to have them behind me done well. And then feel awesome about that. Anyway, I don't know if yeah. this is helping as far as no, thoughts no. and reaction. Well, I, no, yeah. I'm, I'm grateful that we're, we're mapping out some of the areas where, so this doesn't just becomes a wag of the, a finger, right? It's like, well, you're overwhelmed because you mismanage your time. <clears throat> that, that can be part of it, right? But I, I think a feeling of over, being overwhelmed is, I'm beginning to suspect it is a natural part of the cycle of engaging with things, right? I immediately think of like, um, yeah. it's also, um, sorry, hedonic, um, what do they call it? Um, when you get, uh, uh, getting attached to the idea of the measure of, of sort of, you know, joy and engagement, mm. um, they can call it the hedonic treadmill, mm. um, where it's like, oh, well, if this stack of pancakes was good, maybe this stack will be better, right? <laughs> if this stack of tasks was good, what if I did that <laughs> yeah. stack, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and and you can get ready for it progressively. But that can also come or from not. that can also come from like the artist's desire for novelty too, right? Is that part of what attracts us to being creative people is a sense of novelty, and that sense of novelty can come from a lot of different places. Whether it's exploring things that you haven't tried in your artwork yet, or the amount that you try, or the different constraints you put on when you're trying and when you're not. I'm going to try to use the Pomodoro method today. Tomorrow, I'm going to try doing like an hour in the morning, an hour in the afternoon. Like that kind of thing, I think, is very attractive to creative types. A lot of them. Not all. Not all. I mean, because you also get some very, uh, I would say, um, anxious or introspective types who would maybe not be as eager for novelty. But I would still argue that if you're a creative person, some degree of novelty is attractive to you. Otherwise, you wouldn't want to be a creative person. So. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, too. I agree. That's a that's a huge uh, contributor. Um Yep. Um, this new magic tool on my, you know, uh, you know, in my collection, of course, it's the right thing on this next next adventure, whether or not I thought about that thoroughly. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, but then also like I'm just going to like argue with myself all day on this is that part of it is, is that uh, there's an element of diving in purposefully to get in over your head. Right. So. Uh, but that's to say, like, now we're pointing towards... Oh, yeah, that's true. 
choosing. Yeah. Yeah. Because you want to increase your capacity because what happens I mean, creatively as a business, if you actually stretch and build, you have like the ability to do more business and stuff that has a, the, another reward pattern in there too. Mm-hmm. Where you are like, well, okay, if I can do more pages a day, I can make more money. Um, I mean, wasn't that a Jack Kirby thing? Um, yeah. Or, or a, almost every professional cartoonist thing. Yeah, Ever? I've heard I've heard the quote attributed to Charles Schultz that the faster you draw, the more money you make, right? Because you're paid by the drawing. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I I don't know who really said that, but it, it is a commonly held belief in cartoon that speed is always better if you could do uh, good quality, right? So mm-hmm. anyway, but yes, so you get midstream yeah. and like you know, you get that little buzz at the front where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm meeting, I'm, I've increased my capacity and I'm meeting it well, I'm leveling up, but then all of a sudden it starts to get a little bit harder. And, you know, this like goes back to that Kazuki Buishi thing I always quote. It's like, you know, like, you, like this is going to be awesome. This is hard. This is terrible. Hey, I'm terrible, right? You get to this point where, and this is where overwhelm, being overwhelmed feels like a bummer to me, is having to change gears a lot to meet all the different, whether it is, oh, I thought I knew how to do this perspective shot. I don't know how to do this perspective shot. So now I have to like quit my flow, you know, uh, uh, stop what I was doing. And I was, I was, had all this momentum and I got to hit the brakes and everything so I can learn this one technique so I can do the thing properly that I was trying to do. Or now I can get an argument with myself. Do I abandon that brilliant idea for that three-point perspective shot because I don't know how to do it yet and I just want to keep moving, right? Either way, the momentum has been interrupted by some kinds of frictions and some kind of changing gears, and it takes you out of the, you know, the, the, the joyful momentum of making stuff, right? Um, and then when I get into that headspace, it becomes really hard for me to know whether or not I'm even doing a good job anymore. And I feel like this is part of that cycle of, you know, this is terrible, I'm terrible. That's how it, what it feels like to me is not having the capacity or the awareness to know if anything that I'm doing right now is any good. And that's when I was saying at the top of this one about how people get to see the unvarnished, unrefined version of me, where I'm showing up and I'm doing my best, but like I walk out and I go like, I don't know. Was that good? I don't know. I really, I cannot give you any kind of measurement of like what my performance was today as a teaching artist or a cartoonist. Right. Hmm. Yeah. There's a lot going on. Uh, <laughs> and, and all that. Uh, so let's see the, um, I don't like, yeah, I, I'm really curious like where you want to go with that because I have some observations on that dynamic or we yeah, can please. continue letting up the space. Yeah. Cause okay. So you think about that as a progression. Think about that as, um, so, so what is happening and, and like, why does it feel that way when it's feeling that way? Um, is, is a good thing to map out in, in one of the dynamics I see in this not being prescriptive, but in a way you've put something on your list. You've made, you made a promise that you have expectations about. Okay. So then things don't go in a way that is in alignment with those, that promise and expectation. So then you have a now what happening where, um, you, you need to stop and analyze, but do you feel ready to analyze it? Do you, do you know enough about the puzzle to, to help, you know, you reframe it or solve it as it is. Right. Mm. So, um, the, you know, can you just dodge the problem where it's like, 
I honestly don't know how to do, you know, correct perspective and reflections. I'm going to put a towel there. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, um, Right, that's Karate Kid part uh, second uh, second movie. Best the best way to not get hit is to not be there. Yeah, um, yeah. So, um, anyway, the uh, which anyway. So so so. Or are you ready to stop and analyze and whatnot? Then then at, at then you deal. You do have to choose, and then you have to reengage at some point. And then there's how do you feel about it all the way. So like whatever process you're using to, to, to work through the, the conundrum, um, like losing a sense of where you're at. That's another thing that, you know, you described. It's like, um, I thought I had this kind of mapped out and I w- I'm ready to, to navigate the problem and make this thing happen. But now I feel lost. Feeling lost doesn't always feel awesome. No. Um, so you got layers of stuff going on when, when things don't go like you expected and promised yourself. Mm-hmm. There's, those are my observations. Well, and yes. And, and so I think it's worth t- putting all of these objects on the table and looking at them all at the same time for, the, the, if, for no other reason than to just say that the feeling is not the only signal, Right. So this is something that I, I encounter with my students a lot. Is they say like, "Well, what if you what if you're not feeling inspired? What if you don't feel like drawing? Does that mean that you're not cut out to do it?" And I'm like, "Well, maybe, but that's that that is a single point in a large constellation of argument to have with yourself about whether or not it's worth doing, right?" And so, and I and I, and I tell them that like the only difference between me and you is that I've been through this more times than you, so I know what to expect, and I know that this bad feeling is going to happen. And that if I just keep pushing, if I just, you know, keep trying and, you know, finish it however I can finish it, it's going to feel better on the other side of that. Whether that means, okay, I'm going to put a towel over this. I'm not going to do the three-point perspective shot because I don't have the capacity to take that on right now. And I have to find a shortcut just to ship. Or, okay, I'm going to ask for a three-week deadline extension so I can level up at this one little piece so I can make sure that this is the best thing that I could do, right? That's a negotiation I can make. Right. But the feeling of frustration, anxiety, and sometimes like, like self incrimination, um, when, Mm. when you encounter those moments of feeling out of your depth, overwhelmed by something, I feel like is only one signal. It's, it, it is a signal. It's definitely a powerful signal. It's something you should listen to. But the next step is step away from that feeling and let's look at what we've got in front of us and see what our choices are. So, yeah, I mean, I find myself in that situation fairly frequently. Um, <laughs> I know you do. So, yeah, and it's like I could. And this is this is a functional thing. It's like I'm not here to critique anyone's executive function. Whatever moves you through the world and however you map and choose and drive and whatever you do to make that happen. Um you know, hopefully, hopefully this is interesting food for thought. Right. But, um, but for me, I noticed that, um, right. It, like you said, that the, the, the feelings of like anxiety and self-incrimination are only one signal. Mm-hmm. And so I try to then, if I'm only hearing that signal, I notice that. And I say, I need more signals. And I'm like, 
you have to turn that down, whatever that is. But like, and that's an executive function thing. You may not feel right. Re- you, you know, if it, if I'm like, I can't engage with it. So this is where people like will sleep on it and take a pro, you know, take a break, walk, take a walk and um, I'll pick up my guitar or I'll do something to get to, to step away and then, you know, give myself the, the, the capacity again to engage with it to then go, well, oh, okay, well, there, there's more than one voice here. Um, who else has some thoughts on this? Like, what is this problem? And I'll yeah. start doing like, why did I choose to do this in the first place? And it, that kind of thing. And so now I have more thoughts contributing and it's not just this feeling so loud that it gets to run the show. And, uh, because otherwise I don't know what the heck I would do, honestly, any given day. Um, especially this year, because I'm doing the, the, I don't even, I feel like I've talked about it too much, but like the, the, the challenge of daily writing and, and publishing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that is like, it's on purpose. Like I added that to my, um, to my day because I, I understand what works for me as, as far as what helps me uh, get unstuck and move forward and overall have the ability to engage with my uh, suite of, of, or my collection of professional commitments. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, and for me, for having, having some kind of uh, like purposeful conundrum project, it's, it's a overall a constructive uh, thing I put in front of me that gets me functioning and working and doing other stuff too. So, uh, but that, yeah, the, the feelings, I don't know. Once in a while, I think it, yeah, will I get far enough with this where it's like, you know, will that voice stop showing up? I, in my experience, no. Uh, so uh, Jay Tavo is in the chat and said how much this anxiety is associated with imposter syndrome and then says a lot would be my guess. And I will say this, is that I've been doing this a long time. I have a lot of evidence stacked up in my favor saying that I have the capacity to show up as a professional illustrator, cartoonist, and teaching artist. I do a good job. I've gotten good reviews. Um I have been told by many sources that my work is good, yet (laughs) when I show up and I'm overwhelmed, that voice definitely takes the mic away and says, I'm going to let you finish, but first I need to say, Jersey, this is the point at which you discover that you are a fraud and a failure, and everybody's going to find out at the same time. (laughs) And they hand the mic back, and I go, what? Who who said that? Why why are you saying that? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, but what's funny is like, you know, that like, uh, you knowing yourself and having that familiarity, right. It's almost, uh, I mean, there's that voice is, I find less of a, um, I don't know what to say. Like I try to be well, um, I don't know, open and welcoming and, uh, it's not, not that I say like, and that's a fact and you're, and this is, this was represented. Yeah. It's just like, I know you need, you need to do that. Yeah. And okay. So that happened then. Yeah. What else is going on? 
Yeah, I, I have a friend who says when, when he he's like really has like a really strong sense of how he feels about the world, and he knows when something is somebody else putting their feelings on him, and when it's his feelings, and when it's somebody else putting their feelings on him, he says, "That's okay, you can have that. <laughs> you know, that's yours. That belongs to you." <laughs> and and like it's it's such a it's such a warm way of acknowledging that like the the boundaries between us, and I feel like I have that conversation with that voice in my head who says like This is the moment where you discover that you're a fraud." I'm like, okay, you said that you did your piece. You, I know that I know that's that's the drum you like to play, and you can have that. That's yours. But I, I'm I'm meeting this moment. I'm doing what I can in this moment. Uh, but hmm? yeah, uh, I feel like this might be a good point to take a break. What do you say? And then come back and talk about like maybe some reactions, digging any, any further into this, and give people a chance to chime in with some more thoughts on how it feels for them when they're overwhelmed. Um, what do you think? Okay. Yeah. I, I think it, this is uh it's, it's good timing because yeah, clearly there's a lot of places to dig into in this. Um, and maybe, maybe someday we'll, we'll figure out why the heck artists have, have this as such a common out, common, common ground, you know? I, I wonder, mm, but, I, I wonder if this is like a common thing for all humans, right? I think this might be something where it's like anything that we do that it means anything to us is going to offer this emotional journey. Um, I can only speak from my perspective as a cartoonist, but I do know that I, I encountered as a teaching artist too. Like when I'm teaching, I go through the same kind of cycle of I show up, it feels awesome to be here. My skills are connecting well with a room full of people kind of thing. I feel like I'm doing a good job. I feel like I'm getting people motivated. And then about halfway through the visits, I'm like, is this, am I doing stuff? Am I doing stuff right? I don't know. And then I finish it and I'm like, yeah, actually, actually, no, that was good. That was good. I, I feel like I, my presence was well met. Right. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, let's, let's dig out a little bit further and in about a, eh, a couple minutes, but first I want to thank some people who make the show possible. If this is helping you think and do useful creative work, a great way to help the show is to support us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash lean into art is the website. What is it? It's a way for you to give us a monthly upvote. If you believe in what we're doing here and if it's helping you, you could support us for as little as a dollar a month. And I want to thank five people who've been supporting us on a regular basis. Ben Hamilton, thank you, Ben. And Sarah Lutfi, thank you, Sarah. David Armentrout, thank you, David. Dado, thank you so much, Dado. And Robert Clemens Jr., thanks to all five of you for supporting us on an ongoing basis. And if you go to patreon.com slash leanintoart, you will find all the shows we make, as well as the extra leans, the shows we record only for people who support us on Patreon. And we just rolled out this month the Lean Into Art Monthly Labs with an introductory price of $10 a month. And that's where you can show up and share your work with fellow leaners in a facilitated discussion with me and Rob. And it's a, it's, it's not being recorded. It's a what-of-a-kind what, what what event where every the third, third, third Wednesday of every month we get together over Zoom and do a check-in on our work, accountability, problem-solving, talking about what's blocking us and how we're planning on moving forward, getting critiques, getting support. And that's at patreon.com slash lean into art. Thanks to everybody who supports us there. It means a lot to us. It really does. Thank you. Okay. Well, I want to play some music to get us into the next part. So, um, because my friend Tom is in the chat, uh, it's time, to, time for mess hall. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so, okay, <laughs> now we're in the next part of the show. The conversation continues. So, is anything jumping out at you about where we could go with this? Any place that, that I might have not looked as carefully as I as I might have? Well, um, what about the the effect of okay, this uh, you know being overwhelmed? And I think we talked about a lot about the the feeling and the and recognition of the situation, but then. Um, so then what, right? Uh, and we talked a little bit about, about it then what, but uh, it's like, well, how, like, how do you think it's come about that you have like more affluent recognition of this, of that overwhelmed situation and whatnot? Because it can, you can easily and accurately enough broad brush this to a lot of things where you're like, ah, inspiration, right? Or um, uh, I'm a, you know, just throw a giant label at yourself, right? Um, just, just I'm a nervous artist or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. What? How did you go different places instead? I think my first encounters with this feeling, like the earliest that I can remember, would be like 19 years ago, when and I've told the story a thousand times when I was working a full time job, working as a freelance artist too, doing like illustrations for you know advertisements and things, and then I was also doing my first uh, my first comic miniseries, a three issue miniseries, and it was really hard. I had never done anything like of that. I've never experienced or I never created that much capacity in my life for work. So I was working almost all the time. Um, and I think at the time, if I were to describe how it felt and granted, you know, it's, I've got 19 years distance from this. So this memory might not be the most accurate in the entire world. But if I were to try to characterize it, I would say that it was a sense of this is always how it's going to be. This is how it is from now on. What I can't do anything about it. This is the life I chose is that I'm always going to have to burn midnight oil to make comics because comics don't make that much money. I'm going to have to have a day job and work 40 hours a week. And I'm always going to have to be hustling with my freelance work in order to try to like build something out of this. But a sense of, I don't want to say hopelessness, but a sense of, I didn't have any perspective. All I knew was that this is intense, this hurts, this is draining, and I don't see any way out of it. That's how I would describe that back then. Um, and that's how it's been ever since it's never changed like i'm actually 15 years old this is how i look now because of the life i chose right? that's right yeah <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> so so it changed like how in the world okay yes yeah. yeah because in a way you're 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 trying to provide some kind of narrative to be like well i better it sounds like you, you got you're in a situation where you're stuck enough to you're gonna have to keep at it probably yeah. that's yep. one way to deal with it yep. right and that sounds like it was the most what the the way you wanted to meet it was I gotta keep at this. So here's my severe story of gotta mm-hmm. do it. And I would say what again going back to that conversation we had in the first part of the discussion about how noticing that that's just one data point that feeling is just one signal and there are other signals to consider here um, because there were. When, it, when I was just listening to that one signal of this is how it feels, it really felt like it was a binary decision. Do I cut bait or do I press on? It doesn't seem like there's much else I can do. 
when there were other I, there were other options I could have looked at. I could have said, hey, maybe I need to put a pause on my freelance work for three months while I finish this miniseries. I can just tell the ad agency, hey, I can't take anything new until July, right? What if I would have t taken a week off from work, used some of my vacation time to, to free up some, some bandwidth, right? I wasn't thinking clearly because I was in the midst of all that and I was only listening to that one signal instead of like taking a step back and having a, having a careful look at it with a somewhat dispassionate mind, right? Um, hmm. And that's where, like, I, 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 I was the whole time, ever since you mentioned sleeping on it, I've been trying to remember that, that line from a fairy tale where someone says to this, this young character, like, wisdom waits for you in the morning or something like that. It's like, it's like this idea of, like, oh. we, we're, we're usually better at making decisions when we're not exhausted. <laughs> so maybe, maybe take a nap, get some rest, and go for a walk. Do something with your body that will get your mind off of this, this feeling so you're not running through that... Like this is something I'm get super busted on is that feeling will become uh, auto playing uh, and rotating playlist. It just goes on and on and on. It just plays over and over again. And I'll go for a walk and I'll just be rolling and rolling on that same sentence of like this is bad, this is bad. When actually what I need to do is just like okay, we got to put that aside just for a second, go for a long walk, and just try not to think about anything. Practice that whole meditation thing where the thought happens. You say, "Yep, that happened," and then let it go and let another thought happen. Because in my experience, that lets my subconscious sort of do some of the work for me. So when I get back, maybe there'll be some clarity and I can see what some of my options are. So I, did that get where you were? It does. Of... Yeah. I mean, so I would, it's like, how did you, um, how did you end up finding how to go different places? And it's not like, in a way I'm hearing, um, you know, practice over the years, noticing, you know, that this is just one signal and all that kind of thing. And, uh, and then probably just like countless, you know, other sources and peers, I, you know, where you're just, you're going through the same kind of thing together at some point where, um, uh, and I don't know. And sometimes, I mean, artists talk, you know, this comes from all kinds of places. If you're, if you're into writing, you read about writing, people talk about writer's block and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So as you pull on that thread, it's like, you know, you can pretty easily end up in a, in some part related to oh, being overwhelmed or feeling overwhelmed. And then how does that work? And, and, you know, gathering ideas there. And I mean, so that reminds me of, um, so you think about uh, having a, um, a big feeling response to stuff and how you can have the whole being caught in some kind of, um, you know, anxious, like fight or flight kind of thing. And one of the, um, uh, you know, things that, that should be talked about as much or more would be, uh, instead of fight or flight, uh, tend and befriend, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I've seen other people like, so I've noticed like even, even working, uh, you know, on a team and you know, getting some, um, you know, working through like a, a next level of a design design process and honing hypotheses and stuff like that. And I remember sitting at my desk and there, I was like, I was just gathering the evidence and I was trying to, I was, I was you know, adding stuff to a spreadsheet and trying to find a pattern. And then, um, a designer next to me, uh, literally phoned a friend and, and I was like, Oh damn, that's <laughs> great. You know, like, <laughs> like, that and I was like, that is the whole because it was it's the experience of going through the stuff and the mechanics and the skill, 
But even the idea of, gosh, I feel a way about while I'm working on this and just talking to someone else was, and I've watched that person like just work through the problem in a different way. And I thought that that's really great. And I need to do that more. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I have, I have tried to do that more and that was somewhere like six years ago or so, but like, um, so yeah, I'm, I am still noticing like, what could I do different and, uh, and try to, uh, in like in being patient with myself to is, is in, and practicing that over time has been, um, you know, a pretty, for me, a substantial thing. Um, but the tend and befriend is, is one that I always try to uh, remind because it's not the one that I, that I reached for 19 years ago. Right? Oh, no, same, same. Yeah. And, and uh, when I think back to the experience I was talking about earlier, it was when I had just moved to Phoenix, Arizona, I had zero friends there and, uh, not because I was so supremely unlikable. Just, I just moved there. I didn't make any friends. <laughs> but Uncomfortable. I, <laughs> you know. Nobody liked me. I just ate worms. No, I just I had just moved there, so I didn't really have a network yet. Um, and yeah, I had friends mm-hmm. back home that I could call upon. And but then there was also the, I think there was a the perspective of. I had that narrative in my head of like the young, rugged individual is going to figure it out for himself kind of thing. And I, and yes, n- now I am much more able to reach out to somebody just as a sounding board to say like, if nothing else, just to say, just tell me I'm not out of my mind for feeling like this. Just please just look at what I'm, I'm saying and tell me that you agree that this is tough. And usually that'll be enough of a pressure release to make me say, okay, now I can let go of that feeling, and now I can attend to this again. Or, like you said, getting triangulation, getting a perspective of somebody who's not in the midst of it. Um, right? And, and Tom is in the chat saying, you know, he would always tell his students that when they were feeling overwhelmed, ask the person next to them what they did when it happened to them. <laughs> right? It's like we've got all these we all these unique experiences around us all the time, and like in the whole of human history, they're the only one. So they probably have a perspective on this that you hadn't experienced yet so like the universality but also the unique point of view right Mm. so yeah that's uh it's so uh, yeah the sleep that that has a similar effect as far as the the sleeping on and all that stuff and then all these like combine them combine them all got a bigger problem use more tools or whatever you know Mm -hmm. um more patience more friend more space if you can right that's (laughs) Uh, <laughs> there's another t-shirt i'm writing that down more patience more friend more space <laughs> yeah and uh because in all of it's 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 contextual it's it's like what's available to you and uh, a lot of times a, like a story a loud distracting uh you know cr- catalyzing feeling is is um i mean it's in the way of noticing other stuff that may be around uh so, yeah, it, it whatever you know helps uh, notice the other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What? Um, yeah. So, what other uh, kinds of I don't know exploration were you thinking about this? How are you feeling so far about navigating this creative work feel- chat? I'm feeling good. But I do think there's one more piece to possibly talk about, maybe after one more break, is mm. this idea of, I feel like 
this is something I encounter with a lot of my young mentees. So in addition to teaching comics courses, I also take on the occasional mentee who I personally coach to becoming a professional in the field. So like, you know, my, my favorite one to talk about is Aaron Polk because he, he, he's doing pretty good. You know, he's like working on Dogman with Dave Pilkey and like, you know, working with Jim Ottaviani on, on books. Uh, and I think there's this, the thing I encounter with them is this, this, this hunger to say yes to everything. I got to say yes to everything because that's how I build my credibility and my credentials. And it's, I feel like it's very abstract advice to say, no, no, only say to the things that say yes to the things that are what you want to do. Well, that doesn't help me when I'm really fresh and new at this thing and I don't know for sure what I want to do. I have to try out lots of things to find out what it is, where, where is my place in this world, right? Um, but in my experience, that hunger to say yes to everything, because again, going back to this idea of novelty is cool when you're an artist, um, and when new opportunities pop up, it's like you can immediately see, oh, that could be neat in these six ways. But something we practice on the Liam Tart Creative Work Chat and in the mini workshops is like, what could go wrong too, right? So that's something where, and, and, and again, I'm, I'm gonna say I'm busted on this too, is that I get really excited about really cool, meaningful work and then I say yes to too many things and then all of a sudden I have to go, no, 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 for the rest of the year. So uh, mm. I wonder if we could talk about that just for a few minutes at the end to close. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's, uh, it's a, a, an easy way to, on your own map, like whatever's on your map, uh, you know, whatever leads to adding way more things and stops and promises and commitments. Um, if, if you're like, I don't know what that feeling overwhelmed is like, well, you know, you too. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, and, and it's, it has this counterintuitiveness to it. So like, I, I love that. It'd be good to talk about because you're, you're like, well, yes is good, right? Well, you know, <laughs> what's wrong with that? Oh my goodness. Exactly. Uh, okay. So let me pull up, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to talk about some more things that you can interact with in, in order to support this show. So if this is helping you to think about your work and getting you more excited about doing your work. Uh, a great way that you can support this project is by buying the things that we make. And the thing that I make that you can buy is Science Comics Rockets. What is it? It is a comics documentary about the history and science of rockets as told by the animals who participated in rocket history. You will learn how bears and chimps helped us to understand the effects of G-Force, how rats helped advertise fireworks manufacturers, and how one woman saved the American side of the space race with some math and chemistry. And you can find an eight-page preview at sciencecomicsrockets.com. It's also available in bookstores everywhere. Science Comics Rockets by me and my wife, Andrews. Rob? Well, I have a workshop that I would like you to check out. And I think it, there's a lot of interesting skills that uh, relate to, um, you know, to a lot of our shows here at Lean Into Art. And it's, uh, it's called Listening Like a Coach. So you get this to learn meth methods for coaching and uh, doing conversations through that style of listening. You can help folks with getting unstuck in their projects and goals. And, you know, this is a good personal skill, too, as well. And you can go to gum.co slash L-L-A-C-W-S to, um, you know, find what version of this works for you because there's some upgrades as well and some more thoughts about it. Well, 
so coaching is a, is a big topic, but here's a really approachable way to, you know, get on board. You'll learn some basic and advanced methods for coaching conversations. Um, and if you're someone that, that folks ask you for advice or do people ask you to bounce ideas off and, and get your thoughts on a decision? Well, we all get stuck in our thinking about projects and career, all kinds of stuff in different ways all the time. Well, when you use this method of listening like a coach, you're going to find new ways to help people get unstuck and find their way forward in a way that works for them without your agenda. All you're doing is helping them navigate. And so here you go. Um, go to gum.co slash L-L-A-C-W-S and find, uh, you know, you can get the, the, the basic version, the, the video and worksheets for 19 bucks. And then there are upgrades for you or your whole team to meet with me for a Q&A session to talk about listening like a coach. And go, just go to gum.co slash L-L-A-C-W-S. Super. Uh, yes. So let's close out with some thoughts on saying yes to everything. And then Tom actually put a pretty uh, irresistible uh, apple on the tree by saying like, what would you say about someone who gets caught in the middle of a situation not of their making? There's another kind of overwhelmed, right? There's the overwhelmed in the terms of the accident of history, where for whatever reason you find yourself in a situation where, you know, maybe you're getting uh, acted upon by outside forces in terms of people online or even people you work with, right? You're working on a team and you've got, you've got some bad faith actors in your place of employment or maybe not even bad faith actors, just people who are challenging to work with, with your working style. And now you have a whole new level of friction in the work that you're trying to accomplish because you also have to do it alongside of challenging external forces, right? Hmm. That um, well, I mean, it, that's that's your fate. Tough. I don't know. Um, so, Thanks, Rob. <laughs> Rob hits the eject button. Shoo! No, no. It, so it's right. But I mentioned I'm, you know, hi. I like to joke about things that some, sometimes this is, is it questionable as far as joking about that? Because, yeah, it's like imagine the, the kind of overwhelm where you're like, and I didn't even... Um, well, not that I'm a, uh, you know, I've, I've seen, I've seen clerks like once or twice, but like that phrase, I wasn't even supposed to be here today. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, right. Yeah, it feels like the, the put upon, you know, fate threw a thing in my way. Right. Uh -huh. how, honestly, how do you look at that? I, yeah. and I have all my biases about that. And really, how do you look at that? You know, depends on, you know, a lot of things. So, um, I tend to think, well, what is functional and helps me, um, contribute toward whatever happens next and whatever helps me prepare me to do that is where I will try to go toward, um, as far as defining the situation, the outcomes I want, how I t want to engage with it, and then start thinking about what is in my control to act and start to, to change. And also, um, recognize whatever other choices I have, like, can I just choose to be in a different situation? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I want to, uh, like, you know, this is a personal, you know, philosophy thing where, yeah, I can share some, some more thoughts about how I do that. But like, honestly, um, I don't see a life in which something, everything that we've 
Everything involved is curated by our own will. We're all living in a collective uh, arrangement of, of human history and circumstance that things emerge. Some of those things that emerge are based on intentional patterns and unintentional patterns that we need to you know, figure out and notice and then um, decide how we want to work with. All right. So any of that that I shared in reaction, like where, what would you do to react yeah. or add to it? You know, so I, I'm okay. I, I am what I am, Rob. And I'm trying to accept that is that I immediately thought of the He-Man moral where he says like, you know, it's important to give our friends a second chance. Of course, if they continue to make mistakes, we had to ask ourselves whether or not we want them for a friend at all. <laughs> you know, it's like he leaves the possibility in the room <laughs> that it's okay to walk away from it if they are totally operating in bad faith. Now, my, my response is like when I'm in my experience dealing with difficult people is I try to meet them halfway and, and look for possibility together. If that can't be done, then I, I have to think about my own health and I have to think about my own well-being. And I know that's not, that sounds glib and reductive. Um, I know it can, but what, what are you, are you looking, looking thoughtful? I don't think it's glib or reductive. I think... Um, less, I encourage you to find, if you don't have a definition of health for yourself, you need that. And then if things go like this, it's the same thing as choosing a principle for a project or for a product or, or, or your business. The, like you're saying that I will operate in this way. This is my belief. And now you have something going counter to that. Of course, like, yeah, I've been around long enough. I've lived through like, so, so friendships, family, uh, the, uh, you know, professional situations where this is a circumstance that has, uh, it, it is, is, it is ill met. It is not in healthy harmony and I can't find a way to make it, you know, I can tend and befriend to survive it longer, but I can't fix it enough to be healthy and mutual. And so it is utterly like it is upon you to say that I will not ingest poison. And so I don't think it's glib to say that, well, whatever, however you navigate that situation, you know, maybe, maybe you could, you could be wrong. Maybe that friendship would work out or whatever, but, but you still need to do your best to navigate based on your principles. And, and if that means, you know, like, like he man, even he man said, you know, some friendships aren't necessarily going to work out. Yeah. And, and I'm telling you that applies to more than friendships. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so that, uh, and making that choice, I don't think it's, uh, I think it's easy to just, you know, try to bust out sound bites here, uh, that can be glib, but that idea, um, I, I'm trying to give it, uh, recover it from the glib category. <laughs> Right. Yes. There, there, there comes a point where you have to say, and, and I've, I've had this happen where I've had to say enough's enough. I, I did what everything, I feel like I did everything I could here. It doesn't seem to be connecting rather than take on more of this energy to keep the situation alive. I got to pull myself out of the situation and, and look for other possibility elsewhere. Um, not, not always the most easy decision to make. Right. But all the signals we were talking about today, I think, are things that I consider when coming to that decision. Um, but so then let's close with talking about like when, we, when it's self-imposed, where it's like I'm saying yes to too many things. 
And like, if we could just spend a couple minutes on that, right? It's like, because right. I think that that's, that's, man, it is such a, it's such a reasonable and easy thing to fall into. Um, because you start to experience, you start to express some skill and capacity in the world. You get a signal back from the world saying, yes, please, more of that. Uh, why wouldn't you want to do more? <laughs> and it's, it's, it gets, it, especially when it be it, like, there's some novelty to it. Like you don't necessarily have the context to understand what is actually being asked. And maybe you don't have the context or the experience to know to ask about more detail. Right, um, mm -hmm. you have you something I try to be careful about. And I'm not always successful at is like, am, is my excitement over what I imagine this to be or what they're actually describing to me? Right. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, uh, it's it's good to try to um, go through some kind of discovery phase. Like, so, so you think about. Um, consulting agencies that try to do a good job, right? It's not just about saying whatever they can to, to get the business, right? It's, it's about, you know, representing what they, what matters to them. And if it fits well with a certain client that says, well, you know, so like, uh, honestly, Mule Design is, is an interesting agency that does, uh, put to a lot of clarity, these, these ideas that, well, when you hire us to design for, um, you know, you think we're, you're hiring for you and that's part of it, but where you're actually hiring us for your audience and that's who we're going to do good by. And you may not agree with that, but if you don't agree with that, then don't hire us. Yeah. Um, so, but if like, imagine there was a time when even they probably didn't have that criteria, right? You're always, so if you're, if you're sitting here thinking and stuck and overwhelmed and looking for solutions and you know, and it's, you're finding out things that people have developed through their own hindsight and refinement and, and, you know, being tested to say like, oops, I didn't have a clear principle thing that I hold on to, to solve this kind of thing. Uh, but now I do. And so the things that you say yes to should have some kind of gauntlet to go through of like, why are you saying yes? And if you're just saying yes for some unsustainable reason, like you're living the whole you know, fr like Aesop, you're living 10 Aesop's fables all at once. Um, and, <laughs> and not coming out of it for the better where, uh, it's important to, uh, have, why are you saying yes as part of your yes? Mm -hmm. And, and then, uh, you can, f you'll find that out over time, right? You don't have to have it all figured out. Mm-hmm. But that's something that's, to pay attention to when you're engaging with this stuff. Mm -hmm. that's, that, that's definitely a rubric for consideration. Even if it, it doesn't feel like it's very refined at first, it will become refined if you practice asking it. So what if we did a really rough draft? Here's some ideas about it. Here's a, here's a, ref, a why you'd say yes rubric. Okay. So you first. Uh, why I say yes to things. Um, so I recently uh, shared my purpose for making comics on this very podcast, right? Where it's like, I make comics to help children who don't have a lot of emotional support in their lives face the world with courage and optimism. Does the job meet that criteria, right? Do the people that I'm, I will be working with have a spirit of service to the audience that they wish to, to serve? So most of my teaching work that is very explicit in the ask. We want you to visit with these grades to 
help them learn X. And if they don't say to help them learn X, I ask them. I say, what is, what does success criteria look like to you? What are the students doing after my visit that you say that's what success is? And if they cannot articulate that to me, then we have another conversation. But most of the time they can articulate that. They can say, these are the three things we want the students to be able to do after you see them. Right. Um, does that, does that help? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So here, this is a, a, a very functional thing to, to consider would be, uh, in order to say, yes, is it, um, well, we've talked about, it's been a while. It has. Um, what's your, what are, what's your answer to the, um, uh, like creative, you know, let's, what would I call it? Coat of arms, right? Uh -huh. So for your business, can you answer these questions? Um, what is it that you, you know, I'm going to say, like, whatever, say what is it. it that you love to do? Yeah. What is the community that you care about? Um, what are the tools and methods you believe in? And what does it mean to have an, a, a sustainable trade? Right. And here, there's a, there's a placeholder for you. Um, answer that for you. Um, I seek to do what I love for a community I care about using tools and methods I believe in to engage in a sustainable trade is another, another way to say that. And then you probably have other principles that you are hopefully collecting over time of like, this is really what you believe should be uh, more in the world. It's, it really connects with you about the why, mm -hmm. the why of the, the topic, the kind of business, the skills, anything. Um, the effect on audience and sustainability, the world, anything that like, just here you go, bring that in and, and you'll get tested as you do your business, as you like, if you're going to be an employee somewhere, if you're going to uh, start your own thing or continuing your business, like you, you will be tested, but like things that, that navigate your list of criteria will feel like a better yes. And um, and then if you get overwhelmed, I think you have a ton of like reason to navigate the overwhelmed. If you've said yes to the things that, that went through that filter of reasons. I think that to build, to say yes and to that last part is that I also think of something a friend once said to me is that resentment is, um, what happens when, um, wants and needs go unspoken. Right. Um, so I think that that sense of overwhelm, overwhelmingness and the negative feelings that come out of that, it's worth asking, did I not say something that I wanted or needed, right? And is there time for that negotiation to happen now? So that's another one. That's a good point. Uh, uh, you know, sometimes a no needs to happen later, which is better than never. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, especially especially if you have like if you can articulate what you see now that you didn't see before, right? Maybe I didn't understand this before, but I understand it now. Okay, here's here's how the situation's changing for me. We can negotiate. Here's a principle for that, if you'd like to consider. Um, it's called reward learning. Don't punish learning. Mmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So. If you're somewhere or if you're, if you're doing it or if you're in some, some group or team or what have you that punishes learning, there you go. <laughs> you know what that feels like. Yep. Yeah. Is it a fit? Is it not? <laughs> and yeah, so Tom's suggesting I, I use the word desires instead of wants and needs. 
that works. Yeah. What are my desires? Uh, I like I like saying needs too, though, because it it I think it removes this idea of whether or not I deserve it. I need it, right? Um, yeah, and there's always terms of art in different yeah. disciplines. So, like in in experience design, um, when you're trying to characterize someone as a you know a group of people as a persona, which yes, personas are useful. Yes, specific people, conversations are useful. I don't know why I'm always hearing angry design voices in my head as I talk about design. Um, but like the, uh, <coughs> let's see. so if someone wants, wants a thing that's very tied into desire, but if they need a thing, it's important to acknowledge this overall context in which we encounter the world and situations and, uh, just, just general, like one framing of that can be the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And if you think, you know, like if you're, if you're dealing with more basic concerns and you're trying to, you know, create a product or a, a story that is uh, maybe not going to be well met because your audience is dealing with problems that are related to more basic needs, right? Um, needs, it can be very functional. So I'm going to say intentionality with language kicks butt everywhere. So wherever <laughs> it fits, yeah. like being thoughtful about those words, I think is awesome. So it sounds yeah. like Tom has his own criteria and higher your heuristic for using that word. Super cool. Intentionality with words is Good. Universally, <laughs> I said it. I, I think we did a podcast, Rob. Thank you for, you know, walking around this idea with me. Um, yeah, uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for bringing it up. This was a, a really uh, a fun, creative work, Chad. Thank you. Okay, so we record this show uh, every two weeks, streams live everywhere on the internet, and you can watch it at leanintoart.com and patreon.com slash leanintoart. Uh, please consider, if you've enjoyed this video, giving it a thumbs up wherever you're watching it. That helps more people find it. Leaving a review for the show uh, wherever you listen to it on a podcatcher is also helpful. Uh, it means a lot to us. So until next time, I have been Jersey Drozd of leanintoart.com and rss.jdrozd.com if you want to follow everything I make. <laughs> That's awesome. I've been, uh, well, Rob Stenzinger, also of leanintoart.com, and I'm Rob Stenzinger all over the place. <laughs> okay, bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at leanintoart.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the user leanintoart, and you can reach us via email at leanintoart.com at gmail.com. And remember, leaners aren't wieners. Thanks for listening.